0: OK, Adventure 2016, uh, Chapter 4. Do we have a cliffhanger from the last yes. chapter? What happened? Um, the the um, pigeons with, like, daggers and clubs jumped at the cat and then Claudia, the good one, which I like. Um, we don't know if Claudia's going to get them or they're going to get Claudia. That's exactly where we were. And let's go with Chapter 4. The pigeons formed a sphere of furious flapping. They were swinging their beaks and weapons and squawking and cooing as they attacked. Elf gasped and pushed forward to save her cat, but James held her back. Look! He pointed past the pigeons. Claudia was sauntering along the railing away from them. She didn't even look back as she jumped down from the bridge into some trees and disappeared from sight. Let's get out of here before those birds realise Claudia's gone and pick on someone else. James led them down the stairs, and they walked slowly back to the park. Your cat is fast, James said. She waited until the last millisecond before she dodged the attack. And pigeons have fast eyes too. Fooling them is not easy. I never knew she was so deadly, Elf said, or that she spoke with an English accent. I always thought she was French. It looks like the Empress of Six Dials lured her into a trap, Jenny said. Only your cat was more than a match for the pigeon ambush. I guess that King Pigeon needed cat help to get rid of Archduke Crackwing. And the Empress needs help to get rid of Claudia. James turned to the other two. So we've got cats warring for the ground and seagulls and pigeons warring for the air. The starlings are caught in the middle and it looks like the squirrels are on your cat's side. But the real question is, what can we do to help? Neither Elf nor Jenny had an answer. All the way home they tried to think of a plan, but without any idea how they could make a difference. If the seagulls fought the pigeons, did they care who won? Elf wanted to help Claudia, but they all agreed that the cat looked like she could take care of herself. The only real losers right now were the starlings, who didn't seem too unhappy roosting on Balfour's school roofs. They left Elf at the bottom of her garden. She agreed, again, to speak to Claudia, if the cat came home. Jenny and James spent the rest of the walk to their houses thinking of ways to get rid of Archduke Crackwing from under the pier, but they didn't come up with anything good. They would have another think tomorrow at school. But when they did sit down together at Breakfast Club, there was a lot of noise and distraction coming from the other children. "'What's going on?' Jenny asked a boy from Year 4 named Wilfred, who was a part-time member of the gang. ''Haven't you heard?'' he said, stuffing the last mouthful of a piece of toast into his mouth. ''There's going to be a mega grotto on the end of the pier next Saturday. There's a poster about it on the walls by the toilets. I don't really know what a mega grotto is, but this one's got live music, celebrities and most importantly, the best grotto prizes in the world.'' ''They've been donated by millionaires, so they're not your usual kazoo or bouncy ball. We're talking the best consoles.'' gold-plated mountain bikes, some crazy telescope that'll let you see craters on Pluto, signed football shirts from the best players in the Premiership, best prizes in the world! He walked off to get more toast. Why would anyone want a gold-plated mountain bike? Jenny asked the others. But James had left them and was looking at the bright red and green poster by the door to the toilets. He came back and looked excited. It's incredible, he said, sitting back down. You really want a gold-plated bike, Jenny asked. What? Oh, no, not the bike. The telescope. It's one of a kind. James looked awestruck. It's not just any old telescope. It was commissioned by the European Space Agency before they started working on sp- space telescopes. I don't know how they got it, let alone why they'd make it a prize in a Christmas grotto. Marketing, said Jenny with authority. Whenever anything is given away free, it's always marketing. My dad works in marketing, and he's forever going on about free promotions and events. If a company gives something away expensive for free, people notice, and newspapers write about it, and then more people spend their money wherever the company wanted them to. How does a garotto work? Helf asked. Well, if you're rich, you can bid for a ticket in an auction. They're expecting them to sell for thousands, but they're also giving away one free ticket to each school in Brighton, so Balfour will have one ticket to give away, and they've decided to do a raffle. Each child can buy one raffle ticket, just for a pound. The draw's on Wednesday. Jenny and Elf couldn't understand why James was so excited by the mega grotto. If I won the ticket to the grotto, he said, I'd ask Father Christmas or whichever celebrity. For the telescope, no other child will want it not when there's football stuff or computer games up for grabs. I wouldn't want to keep the telescope. It's far too interesting just for me. I'd give it to the school astronomy club. It's just what we need. James spent the rest of Breakfast Club trying unsuccessfully to convince Jenny and Elf that winning the telescope was really important. He started to think of ways he could get more raffle tickets by buying them from the other kids. But everyone wanted to keep their own, even Jenny, who hadn't shown any interest in the grotto, said that she would like the chance to see one of her favourite singers up close. All thoughts about Archduke Crackwing, King Pigeon and the Empress of the Six Dials went out the window. When the normal school day ended, Elf and Jenny went home. James was in after-school club. He didn't like it as much as art club, as it was more of a free-for-all with less structure. But he found a book to read and settled down by a window to read it. He was sitting on a wide radiator as the sun went down and the starlings filled the rooftops around the school. Just before it got dark, he noticed a flash of white on the far side of the playground. It was small and attached to a larger black body, and it was moving under the bushes near the climbing bars. He sat up and watched closely. The black and white shape moved out onto the playground. It was Claudia. The cat moved cautiously across the grey asphalt to a covered seating area in the middle of the playground, and there she waited, but only for a moment. A group of starlings broke away from the roof above the hall and fluttered down, one of them perched on the back of the bench by Claudia. James thought he saw Claudia bow her head. Then the two animals began to talk. James had seen enough. He put down his book and told the teacher that he needed the toilet. Then he slipped out of a fire exit and walked quickly across the playground. Claudia had gone, and the starlings took flight, crossing the air above his head. He wasn't sure why, but he called out, Countess Madeira? The birds kept flying, but one of them peeled off and landed on the ground in front of him. James knelt down to get a better look. Hmm, it's not the proper etiquette, but you are kneeling at least, the bird said. Her voice was tiny and regal. I am the Countess Madeira, ruler of these starlings. And you are? James, he said, of Balfour, I guess. I heard your name the other day, and understand Archduke Crackwing has moved you from the pier. Well now, James of Balfour, you should know that that seagull is a beast, the Countess Madeira said bitterly. And now he's moved my cousins from the Wetherspoons of the marina. Him and his filthy army, they don't belong here. "'Where are they from?' James asked. "'Portsmouth!' "'She spat the word like she had a nasty taste in her mouth. "'He's here to help his nephew, the Duke of Jubilee Square, "'try to take over the skies and roosts of Brighton. "'And we thought King Pigeon was bad.' "'What can we do to help?' James asked. "'You humans can stay out of the way,' the Countess Madeira said sharply. "'We came up here to be co- close to the King under the fort, "'but he hasn't shown himself. "'You ought to be wary of the Archduke.' He's not fond of humans. He thinks their purpose is only for feeding the birds. How do you know Claudia? Mistress Claudia of the One Dial, Three Ways and the Circus, you mean? She didn't wait for James to reply. She came to pledge herself to our cause. She is now set against the seagulls, King Pigeon and the Empress of Six Dials. She's very powerful, Claudia, but in a very dangerous position. We are her friends, but we are peaceful and we will not take part in any battles. Enough of your questions. I bid you good night. And with that, the Countess Madeira flew back to the roof, and James ran back inside. He went back to his book, but didn't read any more. The Countess was right. Seagulls had no respect for humans. They would take a sandwich out of your hand if you weren't careful. And one name stuck in his head above all others The King under the fort. It rang with power, but he wasn't sure why. James wanted to get home and send a Dad, message. Who's the King under the fort? Ah, we'll have to find out. Underneath. What do you mean? We'll find out, but not next one. I don't think in a couple of chapters' time, or maybe not even then. I'm not sure. It'll be a while. Okay. Okay. Uh, he wasn't. James wanted to get home and send a message to Jenny and Elf. Miss Gibbon, his teacher, entered the hall. She had something in her hand that he recognised. Raffle tickets. He saw her open the P.E. cupboard and disappear inside. Then she reappeared with no raffle tickets. James stopped thinking about the king under the fort and started thinking of a way to get his hands on a world-class telescope.